When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is the coach, KT Smith. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and all that jazz, my friend. How are you? Doing great. Uh, excited for Christmas and uh, getting my kids ready, trying to get actually get them calmed down, uh, all that good stuff. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a great time of the year. Yeah, I know my uh, my kids are uh, are doing well too, and I know mine are a little bit older than yours. Mine are fourteen and, and twelve, but uh, the older they get, the uh, you can't get away with uh, some of the toys that uh, you used to. <laughs> I know the toys are a lot more expensive, and they have a picture of an apple on it. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. I'm in uh, I'm in the sort of two different worlds there where. I'm picking out dolls on one hand and we're talking about Xbox stuff on the other. So, <laughs> so is, is Madden 22 on the wish list? I think it's on mine. I, you know, I, <laughs> That's actually, awesome. I, actually I, I played with my son one day. He's about to turn nine and I played, I played with him on like his little switch his Nintendo switch. Cause he doesn't have the big video games yet, but, uh, and and he absolutely annihilated me, and I told him we'll never play this video game. Again. So. <laughs> you know, it would kind of suck to play against you, I would think, because you know all the plays to call. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know how to work the equipment. You know, like uh, I, don't, I don't know what buttons to push or any of that. He was blitzing the heck out of me. I was like, I don't know how to stop it. Yeah, it's very frustrating. <laughs> Were you the Steelers? Uh, no, no, it was, we were playing college, uh, oh, so okay. it was. Uh, it was USC against Michigan. It was, a, it was a good one. Please tell me you were USC and not Michigan. Well, listen, don't tell, don't tell Jeffrey Benedict, you know, or any of our resident BTSC Michigan fans. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've always been an Ohio State fan. So like that's, uh, you know, that, I grew up like as a young kid, you know, like Archie Griffin was the first yeah. football player I ever saw, you know, and so. Uh, I, I know that that's like for, for Steelers fans to root for anybody from Ohio, I probably just lost half of anybody who like, likes to, <laughs> my stuff or anything like that, but <laughs> you can edit that out from the, from the uh, conversation if you want to. Well, I grew up a Penn state fan. My first game was Penn state. My second game was Pitt and Notre Dame and it was Dan Marino. 
and Pitt was the yeah. number one team in the country and they actually lost. And that was in 1982. And we, uh, I wasn't that far from West Virginia either. And uh, Jeff Hostetler was from our hometown. So I ended up rooting for all three. Okay. So with that's basketball, a, com- that's a complicated a relationship. Yeah. You know, but, but I went to Pitt too. Yeah. Oh, you, I, oh, you went to Pitt. Okay. I went to Pitt Johnstown. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. I remember that. So my best friend from high school played football at Pitt. He was a all state lineman here in New Jersey and went and played, played on the O-line uh, at Pitt when Mark Stepnowski was there. And uh, he had some, I went out there and hung, hung with him for a while. Those were some large human beings. That was a fun experience. Oh, I can imagine. And you know, they yeah. played, they uh, not played, they practiced their, not their spring ball, but their uh, training camp was at Pitt Johnstown. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. So that was, that was really cool. And right. my buddy was in his job was in charge of, uh, you know, getting stuff for Bill Hillgrove at the time. So it was great. And he was like, yeah, I made a lot of trips to a certain store for Bill. <laughs> 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 Had to keep Bill hydrated in his own special way. So that's, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm but, sure. This was, this was, gosh, this was almost 30 years ago, but anyways, I digress. Speaking of Bill, Bill's going to be calling a really special game this week, the day after Christmas, Boxing Day, and on Boxing Day, we're hoping for returns, hoping for returns from the Steelers, and good returns in that, and the Steelers taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. I didn't know it was called the City of Fountains, Kevin, did you know that? I did not. I've never been to Kansas City. I never have. I hear they have great steakhouses, so I definitely want to go just for that. Yeah. And they've got great fans, man. They they pack Arrowhead, and that place is always loud and tough place to play for an opponent. The Steelers have been surprisingly good there, though. I, I read this week that the Steelers have more wins at Arrowhead than any visiting team uh, other than Kansas City's divisional rivals, which is I – did, I didn't – I wouldn't have guessed that. but That's amazing. That's impressive. Yeah. Well, let's hope that streak continues. I know the Steelers did it there um, just a couple years ago in a week six game when Kansas City was undefeated. They did it there in the playoffs about five years ago. It did not score a touchdown, but six Chris Boswell field goals led to the 18-16 win. That was an epic game. So they've uh, we've, I've seen them do it in 1985. I've seen it doing it with Rod Woodson. You know, taking back a couple kicks. So uh, they've they've done a lot of good things in Kansas City. I've seen them lose there too, but more often than not, you're right. That's a pretty good place for the Steelers to play. Now they're heavy underdogs in this game. Do they have any chance, Kevin? I think they have a chance. I, the one thing about the Steelers this year is they just seem to play uh, pretty well when their backs are against the wall. They've They've had it. They've done a nice job. Yeah, obviously, one in Buffalo. Uh, you know, they lost in Green Bay, but I. But the I, I think back to that game, and I just think, man, that blocked field goal that uh, they returned for a touchdown, which would have given them the lead right near the end of the first half. That was whistled for an offside. Either, either that that referee had X-ray vision, or it was just a blown call. I mean, I, I kind of think it was the latter, obviously, but. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not saying they would have won that game, but that that certainly uh, changed the everything about that football game, and and it would have been a heck of a lot closer than that. And you know, they've they've just played they've played well in big games against better teams. So I sure I, I certainly think they have a chance. I don't know if they'll they'll win, 
but they they definitely have a chance. That was a 10-point swing, too, that play. That, that's going to haunt a lot of uh, Steeler Nation residents losing that game, especially with uh, Joe Hayden and Minka getting royally ripped off. But yeah. the other game that I, I was listening to the radio today and they were talking, and I, I really agreed with this, that TJ Watt was having a fantastic start to the game against the Raiders. And if he doesn't get hurt, you know, they're beating the Raiders in that game as well. But there's plenty of ifs and buts. And there's going to be a lot of ifs and buts in this game this weekend, Kevin. And the reason being is because we don't know what COVID is going to have to say about this game. Because we don't know right now. There's a chance that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey come back and play in this game. There's a chance that we could read Patrick Mahomes' name on this list come Friday or Saturday. Steelers are starting to make the list. There's about five Steelers on the list with Isaiah Bugs going on, on on Thursday along with Anthony McFarlane. Now, they were both hurt, but that's a pretty big deal with Devin Bush going on the day before. So there's names coming going on that list for the Steelers as well. So you'll worry when you hear about more positives, then more positives are going to come and follow after that. Now the chiefs have had two good days in a row without any new positives. Chris Jones is back. So that's a big deal for them as well. I mean, a fantastic defender. I mean, he can get to the quarterback. He can uh, stop the run. So, I mean, he's absolutely phenomenal and that really boosts that team. But if you're worried about anybody, and let's take Mahomes off the list, but is it Kelsey or is it Hill? Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Of those two, who's going to kill you more? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, that's a pick your poison kind of question. I think for the Steelers, the guy who I would be more wary of, of the two, so therefore the guy I'd be more worried about is Kelsey, simply because it really feels like he and Mahomes are starting to uh, get on the same page. And I, I watched that game last week against the Chargers, the, the, the Chiefs game against the Chargers, and Kelsey was just the most dominant guy on the field for about the last you know, 15, 18 minutes and into overtime there. And they just didn't really have an answer. And I know the Steelers have a pretty good answer uh, in Minka Fitzpatrick, but when you take Minka out of – if you put Minka into a, into a very specific role, you take him out of some of the other things that he does so well. So, and then also with the way that, with the way that Kansas city is probably going to want to run the football against the Steelers, uh, uh, Kansas city hasn't been great running the football, but obviously when you think about Pittsburgh's defense, you see this huge vulnerability in the run game. And I would imagine that if the chiefs can get a run game going, then that's just going to make uh, Kelsey all the more dangerous off of play action especially given how much the chiefs like to run rpos they're so they're such a good rpo team and kelsey's a huge part of that so you know while hill i think is a phenomenal player and his statistics and his you know all his measurables you tell that story uh if i had to pick one to remove from the lineup i would pick kelsey very interesting because tyreek hill can go quiet an entire three quarters and kill you in the fourth. He's one of those guys too, that I always worry about as well, but I'm going to probably agree with you on number 87 there. Kelsey is uh, dangerous and he is so much more dangerous after the catch, Kevin, 
it's amazing what he can do. I mean, he can shed tacklers like uh, like kids at a swimming pool are going to shed their clothes to get into their swim trunks and jump in. <laughs> I was going to go with uh, like me at a five-year-old birthday party, pushing kids out of the way to get the cake. <laughs> But, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's good i mean i don't even know where that one came from you like, <laughs> like all right i'm losing i'm losing the grip on this one just keep on going you might be able to fix it but yeah I've, I've, <laughs> so so many ways you can go with that um well i mean but i i think you're, you're totally right about hill his big play potential is fantastic and he could change a game in a heartbeat with one of those home run balls i just think with like within the framework of what kansas city does I just think Kelsey's more important in the in the down to down and in this just sort of like the broader scheme. I mean, you can always try to scheme a matchup with Hill and uh, and see if you can you can spring a big play. And a guy like Hill makes you be so fundamentally sound on defense because you miss a tackle and one of those you know five yard little flat routes suddenly goes fifty yards into the end zone. I mean, that's that's the thing that speed makes you do. I mean, speed uh, is such an equalizer for um you know for a team with 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 uh maybe not operating great within the fundamentals of their offense and then all of a sudden it just springs the big play something pittsburgh is sorely missing on offense by the way which is a a, a slightly different subject but like when i look at the chiefs and i think about hill and then you come over to the steelers you think well where's pittsburgh's home run threat what's there and you know it's claypool on the deep ball but he's a totally different type of player than hill is uh, a guy like Hill, man, would make Pittsburgh's offense so much more dynamic. So, yeah, clearly he's a dynamic piece. But when when they need a play, man, you know, who are they going to? When they when they need a first down, who are they going to? Right? It's Travis you know, when Kelsey. They, yeah. So, I mean, he's just he's just such a rock, you know, in that within that that system. That is an amazing system. And that offense is just absolutely fantastic. And I want to talk about that a little bit more. But we are going to take a break. We're at the halfway point of the show already. And we will be right back after this with the conclusion with the second half of Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Welcome back to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I am Brian Anthony Davis. Next to me, well, actually through the Zoom, through the computer speakers, is my good friend KT Smith, somebody who knows a lot about having headphones on because he's one of the great coaches in high school ball. Kevin Smith, how are you, my friend? Doing great, Brian. Excited to see what the Steelers do out in uh, Kansas City. Do you wear a headset, by the way? Yes. Okay. Yes. Just wanted to make sure I was right there. I mean, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, it's interesting. You know, we, we were having this conversation uh, as a coaching staff this, just the other day. Uh, our offensive coordinator was talking about coming down on the field to call to call plays. He calls plays from the booth, and I know that's been like a not a bone of contention in Pittsburgh with Matt Canada, but it's been it's been a source of conversation. You know, should he be in the booth or on the field 
calling plays. And personally, I don't understand how anybody can call plays on the field unless you have unless you have somebody you trust so much up in the booth telling you what's going on. You just you can't see anything. You just can't see any. You can't see the techniques of the linemen. You can't see the rotations of the of the defensive backs. You know, you can't really see well who's filling and making plays. How aggressive is the backside linebacker being? Can we exploit him with counter or an RPO or whatever? You just can't see any of that from the field. And I'm just talking about high school, where uh, in in the pros, these guys are mammoth human beings. I really don't know how they see see any of it develop from the field. Is your OC in the uh, in the box? Yes. Yeah. Really interesting. Uh, I know. Yeah. I know Randy Feetner, he was on the sidelines with a headset on, but I had a feeling he was just listening to uh, the Bee Gees the entire time. I <laughs> He was doing his best to stay alive. I guess. I, yeah. So um, interesting because, you know, my thing is, and I am not qualified to really have an opinion here because I'm a fan and I use the eye test, but I always thought that it was great for the quarterback to have those conversations on the sideline with an iPad with a, uh, with their offensive coordinator, or is that something you could do with your quarterback's coach? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And I think that that's something that probably is, is big for the Steelers, especially when they didn't have a quarterback's coach there for a year or two. Uh, And so Feekner did have to be kind of like on the sidelines with Ben in, in that regard. But technology today makes it just so simple to be able. I mean, our, our, and again, I'm talking about high school. Our quarterback comes off the sideline, uh, or I'm sorry, comes off the field onto the sideline. Uh, I, you know, I, I get in his ear about a couple of things, and then I send him right over to the bench. He gets on the iPad. He looks at the series we just ran. We put a headset on him. He talks to the offensive coordinator. They're both looking at, they're looking at the iPad together, and they're talking together on the headset. And, uh, and so just to be able to have the visual of what the, of what they, they just went through, it's, and it's, it's an amazing teaching tool and it's an amazing tool for, you know, your game plan for what are you going to do next? Well, okay, look, look, here's when they give you this look and the safety's doing this and then we're going to do that. And it's, it's so much easier to be able to see it happen on that iPad than it is, uh, just to, just to be able to, you know, X and O it on a whiteboard. It's an amazing, amazing advantage. That's why you see, you know, you saw Tom Brady have his little, hissy fit last week when he smashed the ipad but those guys were so reliant on those things they come off the field they go right over there it's an amazing tool well that's that's absolutely amazing so now you're talking from a high school perspective so my question is your quarterback is not watching the the rest of the game he's just studying for what he's doing so i could safely say when i look at ben roethlisberger with his head in the uh the tablet as well that quarterbacks in the NFL are probably not paying attention to what's going on on defense and the other offense. They're just studying at that point. Yeah. Not even a little bit. I don't, I don't think they're, I don't think they have any idea what's happening out there, out there on the field because you don't really have that much time. So you come off the field. The first thing that you want to know is what exactly are they doing? You, do I trust my eyes? I, you know, this is what I'm seeing from the field. Now I want to go see the bird's eye view of it to make sure that I was right. And now I want to talk to, to whoever I'm talking to on the headset, whether it's the quarterback's coach or the OC about, you know, does he see the same thing? What do we like? What do we, what do we, what are we going to do that next drive? Because you need to have a plan for every drive because you have so little time. You'd be amazed at how fast when you're trying to call plays in real time, how fast uh, you have to ha- make decisions because people say, well, we got a 40 second play clock, but it's not like that at all. But they set the ball 
uh, as soon as the ball's set, they wind the play clock. So it starts ticking immediately. The first five or six seconds, you're just figuring out what hashes the ball on, what's the down and distance. Then you got to think, what personnel group do I want in here? Then you got about maybe five or six seconds max to communicate the play call to your quarterback. Now, fortunately, in the NFL, they've got a radio where they can do it. I mean, we have to do it by signaling stuff in. But, um, and, you know, and then obviously, then the quarterback's got to communicate that. And if there's motion or shifts or if you're changing personnel, you got to be even faster about it. So there's really, you really have to know, you know, ahead of time. When I get, when we come onto the field for a drive, what's our plan of attack? Uh, and if you don't, then it's just you're going to be lost or ineffective. Now, here's one more question about that. So Ben Roethlisberger comes off the field, say, you know, he has like a five play drive that ends at a punt or something happens that it ends in a field goal or what have you. So they're planning for the next series. Then all of a sudden, Minka Fitzpatrick picks one off and they're like, are they like crap? We got to get back to work right now because we're, we're not done with what we're doing. Well, you probably now have a, on your call sheet, your OC has a sudden change section that you've rehearsed during the week in practice. So you go right to that, you know, and, and that's just something you got to know. I mean, you're, you're studying obviously all week long. So yeah, Minka picks one off. I'm, we're in the middle of a conversation about what we're going to do if we get into a third and short on the next drive and Minka picks one off. And now you grab your helmet and you're and the, and the guy in your headset says sudden change, sudden change. And so now, you know, all right, we're going into our sudden change game plan, which might be, hey, you know, that means we're going to take a shot on first down. We're going to run play action post on first down or that might mean we're going into hurry up. It's usually some kind of an attack mode. And you usually probably have a, a section on your play sheet where you got maybe a half a dozen to 10 plays that you like in a sudden change situation. Uh, because of the, you know, the momentum swing and maybe, maybe make it takes that thing all the way down now, you know, inside the red zone. And, and so instead you go to your red zone offense, but, but most likely there's a plan for, for a sudden change situation. Absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for the insight. I want to get back to the, the chiefs on offense and we know all about Patrick Mahomes. We know the MVP season. We know, uh, all about the commercials. I mean, in fact, uh, before the game, he's seven for 14, and that's just in commercials. You know, we, we know about the personality that he is, but we know he's a winner. And we've seen him make those fourth quarter comebacks a lot, even for a team that's blown out some teams. But he always seems to make it make that last drive count. Now, I read something about him this week, and I thought it was very interesting because you have the sack leader on one side of the ball in TJ Watt. You have a guy that can get into the quarterback's face as well in Cam Hayward. And another guy that is really starting to get into the quarterback's face and racking up some sacks. I mean, not a, a bunch, but I would probably say right now that Chris Wormley might be third on the team in sacks. And with that being said, you know, he's going after it too, but Pat Mahomes you have to get him when he's in the pocket because he's only been sacked once in 2022 outside of the pocket. What's your thoughts there? So we talked about this a little bit when we were having a conversation about rushing Lamar Jackson. And uh, we're talking about the Ravens game a few weeks ago, the pass rush plan for a quarterback like Mahomes or like Jackson is, is a lot different than the pass rush plan 
for a more immobile quarterback because you have to be able to uh, maintain your rush lanes. You can't be undisciplined. You can't say, you know, you know like, uh, like you're, if you're op- on the edge, you can't say, you can't take any chances. You can't say like, Hey, I'm going to see if I can beat this guy with a speed rush, you know, to the outside. And if he runs me up the field, well, I'll just try to fall back in because against Roethlisberger, maybe that that's fine. You can fall back in there because Ben's not going to beat you by escaping out, out that, that, that window, but Mahomes will. So it requires the guys on the edge, you know, maintaining the edge, not, not, not giving up uh, anything to the outside. It requires the guys inside pushing the pocket. And then you also have to have, you know, some sort of spill guy, some, some guy from the second level who is not necessarily spying Mahomes because that's, that's not really a, a look that teams can, can get away with running too often. But, but a guy that's prepared for Mahomes to escape out whatever lane opens up. So it's got to be a, a team effort. A lot of times we think about sacks as individual things, but when you're playing a, a mobile quarterback like this and maintaining the integrity of your rush lanes is so important, it, it's really going to take five guys working together. Very interesting. So that's got to be the plan, and I would trust that uh, Keith Butler and uh, Terrell Austin – Carol Austin, excuse me, would be having that kind of plan. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that as well. So, so you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting about that is, is given, you know, let's say Kelsey plays, which he probably will. You're going to obviously now probably think about doubling him in some way. There's going to pre- maybe be like a bracket coverage where you got a linebacker trying to take care of anything that crosses the middle of the field and you got a safety carrying anything vertical um, whatever, whatever that, what, however they choose to go about it, th- there'll probably be an effort to put more than one guy on Kelsey or in Kelsey's orbit. That that makes it a little bit harder to now assign a second level player to Mahomes. So I'll be really interested. One one way that teams can kind of bring that second level guy into play is by playing robber coverage, which is you start to cover two look, your two safeties are both high, and then late in the count or even post snap, you drop one of those guys down to the second level. And oftentimes if a quarterback's not expecting it, he thinks, all right, well, it's too high. They're double teaming Kelsey. We're going to swing the back and we're going to run the other linebacker out of there. So if I can, if I can escape the initial rush from the front four, then there's going to be nobody at the second level, but by playing robber, you're actually dropping a safety down and he becomes kind of like a de facto spy. Uh, and, and you get an athletic guy like a Terrell Edmonds. Uh, who, who's now chasing Mahomes out of the pocket. I mean, is that, that's something to look for, too, from the Steelers. Very well. Let me ask you this. We've been talking about the Steelers' defense. We need to talk about the Kansas City defense. Who's better here, Kevin? Because these are two teams that do not light it up on defense right now. Yeah, well, unfortunately, Kansas City's defense has gotten a whole lot better since they acquired one uh, Melvin Ingram. Oh, you said it. So, yeah, I mean, it, they haven't lost since he's been there. And that's not all because of Melvin Ingram, but he's made the defense a heck of a lot better. Uh, you know, he's allowed the, – the big thing that he's allowed is he's allowed Chris Jones now to go back down on the inside. I mean, they had Jones playing on the edge because they were so weak uh, at the outside linebacker position – so they bumped Jones out to be an edge player. And he just, he, you know, he wasn't terrible there, but he's a force inside, like you alluded to earlier in the show. And 
when when they were able to acquire Ingram, they were able to move Jones back down inside where he's been wreaking havoc. And that's made, obviously, you know, that's freed up the guys on the edge to do their thing. And Ingram's been pretty darn good. You know, he's playing, he's playing with a motor. I don't know if you saw this or not, but last week in overtime, uh, they sent him out as a captain for the, for the coin flip, which, gosh, I, 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 I'm a little, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm conflicted about how the Steelers handled that. It just feels like, like, I, I just, I would have felt a whole lot better if they traded him to, you know, let's say the Saints or somebody who, who they weren't going to be directly competing against. They, 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 I guess, wanted to get something for him and they didn't think that they could make it work. You know, Mike Tomlin with his famous, uh, we want volunteers, not hostages line. So I guess that they, that, that was the best that they could get, but they, they strengthened a, a conference opponent in the process. And that's a little bit frustrating. It very well is. And we could go on about that trade. I, you know, there was a part of me on that trade that said, well, you got to get something out of the guy. Because, yeah. But, there's also the thought that it's like, all right, hey, Melvin, you're here. We need you. You're gonna get opportunities. Just relax. It's gonna be okay. And then he, then he uh, complies. You know, I mean. So there's. I agree with you on that. I would have rather seen him in. Yeah, you know, send him to Tampa. I don't care. Just <laughs> not not in the division. Not excuse me, not in the conference. So the Steelers need to. They need to get out fast in this game. Now we've seen them get out fast before they got out. They started out quick against the lions and then kind of uh, slow down there. And we've seen them start off well against other teams, but the trend lately in the last few weeks, it's been, man, it's been taking them two and a half quarters to uh, even get an assemblance of offense. So yeah. with that being said, and I'm not talking about any, two minute drill stuff. I'm talking about regular, regular time because we know that the, uh, the scoring that the Steelers do when they're, they're coming back is a little bit fool's gold because what you saw in the Minnesota game to me is fool's gold. Sure. They came back, but they were allowed to come back. And when you have that much of a lead, you, you hang back a little bit and, and you let them throw it, throw it down the field. So, I mean, it, it almost bit Minnesota in the butt, but all I'm saying is that what you need to see from this offense is not working out of the two-minute drill, but they need to be working in the, in the two-quarter drill the first two quarters of the game. Is it possible against a defense like this, and who do they need to really rely on, Kevin? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, they haven't scored a first half touchdown in the last four weeks. Uh, that's very discouraging. They've uh, they feel it feels almost like they've regressed a little bit in the run game. I don't know if Najee Harris kind of hit the fabled rookie wall or not, but I thought last week was probably his worst game of the year. He just he kept trying to take things outside and reversing his field. I mean, he was doing he was doing things that maybe he could got he could have gotten away with in college when he was playing you know, some, some FCS team, but uh, certainly not against the Tennessee Titans, one of the best defenses in the NFL. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what honestly the plan is there. I mean, if Friar is out, that's really going to hurt. I, I, you know, my, my argument that I was making on the website this week was that I, I would like to see more of the, of the, the no huddle. I mean, not necessarily a two minute drill. It doesn't have to be up tempo, but more on the ball, giving Roethlisberger a little bit more contr control, 
not necessarily over the play. I think people all they hear like, oh, on the ball, that means the quarterback's calling all the plays. It's not not it's not necessarily true. The, the offensive coordinator oftentimes will give him a package that he's choosing from, a really small menu where where he's at the line and then he's gonna maybe he'll have three options that'll make the best choice based upon the look that the defense gives him. But while you're totally right about the Minnesota game, they they fell into a soft zone and kind of let the Steelers come back. Uh, they also had a, had a really nice comeback against the Chargers. And the Chargers did not. The Chargers uh, continued to blitz Roethlisberger and play aggressively. And the Steelers went into the no huddle and they and they were really effective. And they were they were very effective using it against Baltimore. And that game was was close on pretty much all the way throughout. I just think they have to turn it over to Roethlisberger. He's not the guy he was, you know, four or five years ago. But he's still, I think, their best bet on offense right now. The run game is broken. Uh, it doesn't mean you abandon it, but if, but I just think if they say, all right, we're going to establish the run, then we're going to, we're going to find ourselves in a 10, nothing, 14, nothing hole, because we're not going to be able to do that effectively. We've, we've just seen it over and over again. They're, they're just not doing it well. So I think that they need to, 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 to throw the ball to try to set up the run. I mean, that was the recipe for the 11 and 0 start last year. The Steelers threw the ball early, got leads and then ran the ball to kill clock. Uh, I mean, if they could if they could find that formula and, and again, that would be wonderful. And I think one way to do it is to is to try to put a little more pressure on the defense by going a little more on the ball early on. And I have no problem with that. It's just when I say that the two minute drill is fool's gold when you're down 29 points and you're trying to come back and you're having all the success, that's uh, maybe you you convert that and do that in the first two quarters of the game. So that's uh, where I think we're kind of in agreement there. Now, yeah, so- you're hundred percent. You're hundred percent right about that. When you go to it, when you're down 29, nothing or whatever, you're getting a soft zone and, and it, and it makes it look like it's really effective as opposed to going to it early. But I would like to see, I, again, I just, I just don't want them to, to trot out the same game plan that we've seen week after week after week, because we know what that's going to look like, especially against a high-powered offense like Kansas City. That's why I would love to see him go to it early, and and let's see what we can do with it early. I mean, maybe it, maybe it puts Kansas City off balance. One of the nice things about it is defenses have a hard time substituting and have a hard time getting intricate calls in, so you get a fairly decent look or a fairly vanilla look, I should say. And one thing about Ben Roethlisberger that is still true is while his body and his arm isn't what it used to be, his mind is has not diminished even a little bit. I mean, that guy can read defenses and figure out where to go with the football just about uh, better than anybody in the league. So if, if a little bit of uh, up-tempo stuff or no huddle stuff can, can back him off and let Roethlisberger, you know, get a good diagnosis, then I'm all for it. Why is this team not throwing the ball in the air to Najee Harris? Yeah, that's kind of gone out of the game plan too, hasn't it? A little bit. I don't, I don't know. It's a good question. I wonder if is he, is, is, uh, he beat up a little bit is, um, you know, they're, they're not really pushing the ball down the field. We all know that, you know, Roethlisberger's got the quickest release time in, in the NFL. And I, I mean, in terms of, you know, from snap to throw, which means of course that they're, they're focused on short passes. So, right. Why has Harris not been a bigger part of that? That's a good question. So how does this shake out, Kevin? I mean, we know what the Steelers can do. It's just, can they do it? what they need to do based on whether it's going to be made possible. This is a defense, even with Mel- Melvin Ingram, the third, even 
with a guy like the honey badger tyron matthew a guy like that they've got some stars but the steelers could go after these guys too and this is a defense that they could have more success against than a team like tennessee which they didn't that has a much better defense so how does this game shake out do the steelers pull an upset here kevin well, I'm I'm opt- optimistic to a fault, much like you, Brian. So, I, I desperately want to say yes, and I can I can see a path for it, you know. And that path is they get out of the gate early. Kansas City secondary is not great. They throw the football early. Maybe they mix some stuff in that we haven't seen. You know, they they go to the whole kitchen sink uh, game plan where where they say like we're going to gadget and we're going to go up tempo and we're going to do a bunch of we're going to break the mold. And maybe it picks off Kansas City and Steelers get ahead and they manage to force Kansas City into throwing and they get some sacks and maybe a turnover. I mean, I can totally see that. Uh, I just I just don't know. I, th- I think they keep it close. But in the end, uh, I think Kansas City's just got too much firepower. So if I had to pick a score, I'd go with uh, 31-20 Kansas City. Well, they don't have their kicker in Harrison Butker. That is official. I want to ask you about a few guys real quick, and I'm just, okay, sure. I'm just going to say, have you your gut feeling play or sit Travis Kelsey? He'll play Tyreek Hill. Uh, I think he's going to play because none of them have actually tested positive. Like it is now Thursday night and none of them I have, have had a positive test, but he's a little shakier than Kelsey because he went on the on the list later. Pat Fryermuth. Oh man. Uh, I think I think he'll play, but two concussions in the last couple of weeks and had didn't practice today. Uh, I mean, I think he'll play because it's a big, big, big game, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if he doesn't. Kevin Dotson. No, he's not playing. All right. So with that being said, you have your score. I'm gonna go ahead and give you mine. And I'm going to say that the uh, Steelers are going to, I'm, I'm a homer and I'm going to say, they're going to pull this off 30 to 28. I have a feeling that uh, one of those stars might not play for Kansas city. It might be enough for the Steelers. I'm going to, uh, I don't know if I would put this money down in Vegas, Kevin, but I'm going to go ahead and say the Steelers 30 chiefs, 28 and pray that I'm right. I need a boxing day gift. I love it. Hey, in this brave new COVID world, who the heck knows what things are going to look like? 48 hours is uh, everything can change. You know, and, you know, I mean, it just, it's funny. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm here in New Jersey and everybody here, everybody locally always hit roots for Rutgers. And I root for Rutgers too, because just a lot of the guys that we compete against wind up there playing there, et cetera. Uh, and Rutgers is in the Gator Bowl <laughs> because, because, Texas A&M got banged out. They didn't have enough healthy players because of COVID to compete. And some there's some formula about the eligible teams and Rutgers winds up in the Gator Bowl. And whether they can do well or not in that game is is beside the point. It's just a phenomenal opportunity for those guys to go play in a big-time bowl on New Year's Day. How much and notice I, did they get? They got notified today. So, so this being so Thursday. they've got a week. They've got a week. Yeah. And all, all their guys have been home for a couple of weeks. They, their season ended a couple of weeks ago and they didn't think they were going to a bowl. So they got to bring all their dudes back onto campus and, and put them back in pads. And, but, but it's like, hope they test. hope they don't test. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Right. I mean, we're like, we're just in a who knows environment right now. So who knows about 
Kansas City. And, and maybe the Steelers go out there and, and shock everybody. I hope you're right. They, it will be very interesting, and it's going to be really fun to watch, too, because that's always a great game, especially the day after Christmas. I love it because I'm still in break mode, and, and I'm really looking forward to this game as well. So, Kevin, I want to thank you. This has been a fantastic season. It's not over. We still have some shows to go. But I want to thank you, wish your family a Merry Christmas and just a Happy New Year and whole lots of Steelers excitement. You too, Brian. Same to you and same to everybody out there. I hope everybody has a happy and most importantly, healthy holiday. And uh, it, it we'll be all uh, hung over from our per- Christmas presents and our food and all that stuff. And it's a great day, great opportunity to sit around on Sunday and just watch some football. Absolutely. Be sure to check out Behind the Still Curtain. For Mary Steeler memories, everybody on the network has uh, gone in and answered some Christmas questions, uh, talking about the Steelers too. So it's very Steeler oriented as well. So check that out and check out all of the shows. Check out the editorial for breaking news. There's a lot of great stuff. Tomorrow morning, it's going to be Let's Ride. We're going to still have plenty of content on the weekend, the holiday weekend. There will be live YouTube shows as well. It's, you know, the guys who do the Saturday show, it worked out great for them because that's our Australians, Marky D and Matty P, and they're down under. So their show will be on Christmas Day, but it's going to be the 26th for them. So they're working on the 26th, but here in the States, it's still the 25th. How about those apples, Kevin? <laughs> yeah, I love that we have a uh, an Australian connection. It's just, uh, it just really speaks to the, to the breadth of, Steeler, Steeler Nation. It's a, it's a, it's a global thing. And we we have a fella that's been auditioning, and uh, hopefully we'll get an opportunity in England. We've uh, we have our Canadian, uh, our Canuck, our crazy Canuck, Blue Check Beck, Michael Beck, another coach there. And so it's it's really great to uh, have be internationally known, but Yins are known as well. So I want to say to all of you out there who are listening. And checking us out and check us out weekly or if the, even if it's your first time, we cannot do these shows without you. We are so blessed to have such a fantastic audience and we want to wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We will be back next week before New Year's Eve to be talking about the Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, but it's the Chiefs. We're going to Kansas City, baby. Here we go, Steelers. Grab that terrible towel and start rooting. Oh, like